This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Community Matters, Inc. With nearly 20 years in the chamber industry and over 100 media awards presented to their chamber partners, Community Matters provides the R&R that every chamber needs, revenue and recognition. When it comes to publishing a chamber map, directory, or community guide, Community Matters has the trusted experience to help your chamber accomplish your goals. With different advertising sales models and publication styles, Community Matters will help you create a non-dues revenue machine. Let's hear from Becky Womble, President and CEO of the Bastrop Chamber, to hear about her experience using Community Matters. I've been using Community Matters for probably six or seven years now. And um, in a previous life, I sold commercial printing, so I can highly recommend Community Matters because it's a complete turnkey job for any busy chamber exec. Um, Basically, you give them a membership list, and from there, they contact your members, and it's no high-pressure sales or anything, and it really is a complete turnkey job from start to finish. And it's a wonderful, beautiful printed product whenever you're finished. And I just, I'm very sold on Community Matters. And with a printing background, I just, big endorsement for me. To learn how Community Matters can support your chamber with your next publication, please visit communitymattersinc.com slash podcast to request your free media kit and request a proposal to find out what kind of non-dues revenue you can generate. Our guest for this episode is Dan Colhane. Dan is the president and CEO of the Ames Chamber of Commerce in Iowa. In his current role, he's led several initiatives, including the modernization of the Ames Municipal Airport, the annexation of of over 1,300 acres for the creation of Prairie View Industrial Center, and the recruitment and expansion of over 75 companies to the Iowa State University Research Park and the Ames Metropolitan Statistical Area, supporting the creation of thousands of jobs. He is a 1993 graduate of Iowa State University, with a uh, BS degree in community and regional planning and a 1998 graduate of the University of Oklahoma's Economic Development Institute. He earned his uh, CECD uh, in 2000 and the chamber industry's highest designation, it's uh, CCE in 2011. Dan has served on numerous boards and is currently a member of the YSS Foundation Board. He's also served on the board of the United Way of Story County and chaired the 2017 campaign, which was the largest campaign in history and remains today. He co-chaired Reggie's Sleep Out in Ames to promote the needs of homeless youth as well. He's served as chairman to several organizations over the years, including the Iowa State University's Athletic Letter Winners Club and the Iowa Chamber Alliance, a coalition of Iowa's largest community communities, chambers of commerce, the professional developers of Iowa and the Mid-America Economic Development Council, multi-state peer group from Iowa to the Dakotas. And Dan was honored in June of 2023 with the Iowa Association of Business and Industries Leadership uh, for Iowa Award given annually to a deserving leader in Iowa who's an alumni of Leadership Iowa. Um, 
Dan, I'm excited to have you with us today here on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love to give you a moment to say hello to all the Chamber Champions and to share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little better. Well, thank you, Brandon. It's great to be here. I certainly appreciate the invitation. So I've been in the Chamber and the economic development business for nearly 30 years. And I've seen it change a lot, but I I still uh, get up every day greatly enjoying the work that I get to do. Uh, our chamber here in Ames, Iowa is about 750 members. We've got about a $3.6 million budget. I've got 17 people that do a lot of good work every day in a two-county area that encompasses the Ames MSA, which is about 125,000 people. You know, I've, I've often heard and I've and since repeated that if you've seen one chamber, you've seen one chamber. I think they're all different. I think they reflect uh, the needs of the 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 board members and the communities in which they serve. And, and we're certainly no different. Uh, Ames is a vibrant university community, home of Iowa State University with 32,000 students. And so that creates a level of dynamic that's really powerful for chamber work and economic development work and community development. And so we do a lot of community development work along with the very traditional chamber work that most chambers of commerce do that I'm pretty excited about. You know, in terms of something that uh, unique or that well, something may, may not know about me is that I often uh, quipped that the reason I came to Ames, Iowa in the first place to, was to play baseball at Iowa State. And I got to stay and play baseball at Iowa State because I could hit a curveball. And uh, so I played three years at Iowa State uh, on, their, on their baseball team. Had a great experience, uh, ripped up a knee pretty good my junior year, and then I was done. And uh, but nonetheless, it was it was a rich experience. And it's even a neater opportunity for me now to be back where I went to school, uh, leading the Chamber of Commerce and the Economic Development Organization here in this region. Yeah, I'm sure you still get a few curveballs thrown your way as a chamber exec. Every day. <laughs> well, you're the right guy for the job if you can hit those curveballs. So very good. <laughs> uh, so and thank you for for touching on the the Ames Chamber itself. Just the the side you mentioned the you know, number of members and your staff and what kind of scope of work, as you mentioned, one, if you've seen one chamber, you've seen one chamber. Um, what areas are you guys involved with as far as the work goes at the chamber? You know, Brandon, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, when I got here, there, there, I was the, I was, there was five of us at that time. And uh, so we've grown immensely and we've grown as, as a staff, as the work has, has come to, come to our table. And so we do the most traditional of, of chamber programming, leadership development, uh, public policy, um, a wide variety of events. We do over 100 events every year. Um, so we're in, in that, in that, from that standpoint, we're a very traditional chamber of commerce. Uh, beyond that, uh, we've also got an economic development organization. We do a lot of workforce development, uh, workforce programming. Uh, career fairs, things of that nature, internship programs. And so we've got our hands on a lot of things that maybe some traditional chambers may, may not do, but um, we're, we're also uh, doing uh, community development work in the smallest of communities in our two-county area where we're helping um, communities of 700 people with uh, infrastructure grants and other, other grants and opportunities for uh, new housing starts. And so we're, we're engaged in housing more today than we were probably two years ago. Uh, housing is certainly a need across our country. We all know that, but it's certainly a need in our region. We're also engaged in childcare. 
uh, in helping uh, with child care grants and a variety of programs to enhance the child care slots that we have in our region for our, for our workforce. You know, workforce is such a big piece of, of all that we do. Uh, we have to support child care, uh, housing, and things of that nature to support people that are going to work in our companies. So I'm hearing more and more chambers getting involved with, you know, paying attention to child care and helping that out as far as the, the workforce needs go. And for those listening, you know, as you hear certain trends being repeated over and over, it might be worth looking into and seeing, you know, what your community needs in these areas of work, uh, specifically in child care and workforce and, and, and education. I mean, that it just snowballs, right. in all these different areas, but childcare specifically I've seen is more of a newer area of interest in the last couple of years of chambers get really getting involved. And yeah. my ears are, are kind of perking up every time I hear it now, because I think more chambers are seeing the vision of the value that comes to their community by paying attention to childcare. Um, so for our topic of conversation today, we've, uh, Kind of narrow down our uh, our options of things we could discuss today. We could we could probably talk for hours and hours, but we'll uh, we'll talk about fundraising for quality of place projects, and we'll dive into that in much more detail as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Are you a community leader or chamber of commerce looking to grow your non-dues revenue around your core community? Are you in an area not already served by a chamber of commerce? Look no further than Chamber Nation's new platform, Pippoli. Pippoli is a perfect solution for adding commerce to areas where a chamber may not exist or to expand the reach of a regional chamber. With Pippoli, you can easily connect with local businesses and promote your services to a wider audience. Don't miss out on this opportunity to expand your reach and increase your revenue. Visit richardscalendar.com to learn more about Chamber Nation and Pippoli today. Hey, this is Donna. Gifty community cards are free for you, free for your members, and they bring lots of new sales and foot traffic into your local shops and restaurants. But don't take it from me. Here's Siobhan from Truckee, California, to tell you about her program. Visit Truckee Tahoe's Sustainable Truckee gift card has been a great success since launching in November 2021. The card is redeemable at 58 Truckee businesses, making it a great gift for any occasion. 
Recipients can spend flexibly at a wide variety of local businesses from yoga studios to hotels. And because the cards are digital and accessed on your phone, they're super easy to purchase and redeem. We love that Sustainable Trekkie gift cards encourage folks to shop local, supporting Trekkie's local economy and community. Thanks, Siobhan. If you'd like to join Truckee in supporting the Shop Local movement, check us out at yifty.com or send an email to sales at yifty.com. All right, Dan, we're back. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, we're uh, we're highlighting the fundraising for quality of place projects in your community. Um, first of all, I think just to maybe le- level the field for everybody listening, so to speak, um, in some communities, it may be the, the initial reaction is, well, maybe we're not a quality of place. Maybe we don't have anything that draws people in or, you know, really attracts people. Um, I think we need to maybe attack that thought or maybe that misnomer first before we go on with the rest of the discussion. What what would you have to say with that initial thought that some people may perceive about their community? You know, I think that no matter what size community you're in, you're always trying to do something uh, to make your community better. And so I, 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 I don't think uh, we're any different than anybody bigger than our, our community or smaller. There's always those quality of place enhancement, those amenities, those livability amenities that are important because you want to make yourself as a community as attractive as you can for that next company, that next uh, employee that has that's going to work at your hospital or or your next superintendent of schools, whatever it might be, you want to you want to check all those boxes so people choose you, and so that's where I think we focus in our region on those quality of life assets and how do we help support communities in accomplishing those things so that ultimately we are more attractive to uh, an external audience that's contemplating either an investment or a, a, a life change, a job change by coming to our region. I think that's a good point because whoever it is you're trying to attract, whether it's a new superintendent for the schools or somebody at the hospital or whatever it may be, um, your community may be exactly what they're looking for. Maybe they don't need the huge community or the super small or, you know, whatever you feel like might be attractive to other people. Your community does have something to offer to the right person for what you're trying to fill for. So keep that in mind and and look at those assets that you have to promote. So I, I love that perspective. You said having those check boxes for people to choose you. So love mm-hmm. that. Um, so, when you think of aims, think of quality of place. Uh, what what sort of projects are you guys working on around quality of place? And then we can get into the fundraising aspect here in just a moment. You know, um, while Ames is a, a pretty vibrant university town, we still have needs. And the the biggest project in most recent memory that that our organization has worked on was an, an indoor aquatic center, uh, a public indoor swimming pool, if you will. And the community had voted down a very, very large uh, wellness center. Uh, I think it was called a Healthy Life Center here in our community. It ended up being close to $50 million. It just blown up to everybody had something in it. And as a result, it, it just didn't garner any attention when it came to the voters. And so when that failed, uh, the, the need for an indoor aquatic center in a, in a market this size, it didn't change. We didn't have one. We, there was a better one at the, the high school, 
and the high school had been torn down. They built a new high school and they built a new a new facility, a new swimming swimming facility. The Ames has had a lot of state state championship teams swimming, but that new pool was dedicated to uh, the student population. Now, there's a number of indoor water basins in our community because of the university, but in terms of uh, rank and file citizens in our community that, that wouldn't necessarily have access, they needed something, and so. Um, we went to the city and said, hey, we, we've got to figure this out. And we broke it into really three pieces. There was a state program uh, called the Iowa Reinvestment District Program that we applied for. Uh, the city uh, put in a percentage of the money, and then um, we promised to raise the other third. And, you know, that was an awesome task, but we did it. And, and the, the, the fact of the matter is uh, a lot of chamber uh professionals like myself may think, well, that's not our role. But again, it goes back to what, what the needs are of your community. And, and I saw that as a need for our community. And, and so we pushed hard to get that done. And they're breaking ground next spring on a $32 million indoor aquatic facility uh, near our downtown, which will also be catalytic for the downtown portion of our community as well. And so uh, that's certainly a community asset or a, an amenity that uh, we identified as a, a, a real need. And at the same time, uh, we'll also support other things in our community. Absolutely. I love that. And being able to attack it from, you know, the three different arms that you talked about with the, the state program, the city, and then the chamber picking up that, that remaining third. Um, I'm always curious, you know, with whether it's fundraising or messaging of any sort, as a chamber tries to push out um, messaging or attract donors in this case, uh, what does the messaging look like as you go about the fundraising? Did you have kind of a list of people that you wanted to target or was it just kind of broadcast to everybody or how kind of the, what, what's the the methods behind it about the approach? So good, great question. So in this instance, what I really focused on was our companies uh, making an investment in this facility and talking about how this would be impactful for them in retaining people, their workers, and attracting workers. Um, you know, we routinely are one of the lowest MSAs in the country for, for unemployment. Pre-pandemic, we were at 1.2% and usually number one in the country for unemployment, which that's great, but because you got to be known for something, but at the end of the day, um, you, you still uh, need to attract uh, new industry. And so, um, for a variety of reasons, we continued to attract industry while our unemployment rate was that low. Um, so, but, but consequently, there was still a need for, for more workers. And so that was the, uh, that was kind of the, the angle I took with a lot of our, our funders was I said, this is an opportunity uh, for one more uh, arrow in your quiver to attract that next worker, that next engineer, that next software engineer, that programmer, or that production worker at 3M that's got a large facility in our community. And that resonated with people because they knew that they needed more assets and amenities outside of work to attract those people. And that worked really well for us in raising the dollars uh, for this, for the one third of the project. I like that. And that kind of answers my, the next question that I had is going to be, how did you help these employers catch that vision that this project, this aquatic center is going to help to attract and retain employees and really see it as a workforce issue rather than a, you know, a, a new amenity center or a new asset to the community, but really it, it became a workforce issue. 
Um, was it, was it well-received? Did you get any pushback on it? Did you learn anything along the way about maybe how to change the approach with the next business that, that you guys talked to? You know, I, 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 I learned, I guess I, what, re, what this process did was reinforced something I might've already known. And that is the, the big national or international companies that are in your community. Um, they're not as always, they're not always as quick to support things like this. The, the, their process is harder. Our, our best supporters were locally owned companies, uh, locally owned uh, uh, small businesses and large that uh, really understand greater good. One of our core values here at the English Chamber of Commerce is actually the term greater good, because there, there are so many things that come across my desk where if you really looked at a very traditional chamber organization, you'd say, well, that's probably not a uh, fundraising for a, a public project like this in most places probably wouldn't be the rule. I raised uh, money with another person in our community, a, a business leader for our airport a number of years ago. And again, um, making sure the airport has uh, adequate hangar storage and things like and a, new, a new terminal. We don't have commercial service here, but a small terminal building that better represents the community that was something else we raised money for. And again, so it, it, it was a need for our, our community. And we said, well, if not us, then who? And so often I think chambers are faced with that decision. If not us, then who? And so a lot of times chambers step up. Uh, it can be for the smallest of projects, new, new, new banners for the downtown, um, somebody putting on the 4th of July parade or raising uh, $10 million to build a new aquatic center. It, it runs the whole gamut. And I think that's that's why chambers are, are powerful and effective in every community. It's because they step up and say, we'll, we'll take care of that or we'll help. We'll support that. Yeah, I love that. And the example, the the airport as well. And, and I'm sure you've got other examples that you can point to of really creating more of a quality of place there in Ames. Um, as you go through the process of evaluating, because I know as a chamber, you know, all the projects cross your desk, right? And you kind of have to have a filter of, yes, this is worth our time and this aligns with our mission and, and purpose as a chamber versus those that other people just don't want to do. And they, they push to the chamber thinking, oh, the chamber should do this, right? So when you look at that, because um, I can see where some people would say, well, this doesn't necessarily fit directly with our mission, but how do you apply that filter as to what what is worth the attention uh, especially when it comes to quality of place improvements in your community. Well, th that's a, that's a tough process because almost everything can be applied to well, that, that makes our community better. And so that's where um, a board of directors really comes in and can help someone like me help make that decision. Because oftentimes, if you ask my staff that's sitting outside my door right now, they they would probably all say Dan says yes to everything. And uh, I really don't, but we say yes to a lot of things because we, again, understand greater good. We've got a nonprofit radio station here in our community. We're a sponsor. Of I don't listen to it very often, but uh, I know people do, and it creates community. And so we support that. There's a thing called the Ames Tuba Christmas that happened two weeks ago. It's a professor of music at Iowa State who puts this thing on, and they they fill a 1,700-seat seat auditorium on the Iowa State campus for this three times over the course of a weekend. And we, we provide some dollars to that to support that, again, because it's about greater good. And so th that's, that's probably the litmus that I put on a lot of things is, 
does this does this enhance our community? Does this make our community better and stronger? Um, certainly, the the, the the volunteer nonprofit radio station there's there's a, there's community there, and so anywhere we can help build community or support building community, there's a good chance we're going to try and participate at some level. It's like a lot of things in our community. We we've got a uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, program here at the chamber. It's not the biggest one of of, of chambers. Uh, it's certainly not the leading one in our community. We've got a, a very strong city and a very powerful university, but we're at the table too. And so I look at a lot of things like that and others where if if we're not at the table, we're conspicuously absent. And so we try to be be a participant and supportive of a wide variety of things in our community because as a Chamber of Commerce, as the voice of the the business community in our region, um, we should be at the table. Yeah. And you don't need to be the driver of all the things, but being at the table is important. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I'm curious on the fundraising aspect. Um, do you typically, when you fundraise for these quality of, of place projects, are you doing it internally and just having staff dial for dollars and go out and meet with members? Or are you using a third party or what, how do you make the approach to, uh, these call them a capital campaign? Well, in the, in the instance of the, uh, the aquatic center, you're looking at the fundraiser right now. I raised the money for that. And I don't like to say I, but it, that that's really what happened. It was, it was, pro- I was probably the best equipped to do that. You know, I, I've also been in the community long enough now that um, I can, I can get the appointment and, and maybe lean in a little bit on some of our, our, our business leaders to say, Hey, this really is the right thing to do, you know? And so I think that my, my tenure here uh, made that probably an easier process than if I was brand new in the community and I was knocking on doors and, introducing myself as the new leader of the chamber. Oh, by the way, I'd like $100,000 for this aquatic center. So um, more often than not, even, even, our, even our, our capital campaigns for our organization, usually I do most of that. And now there's a rule in the, in the chamber and economic development world that says the staff should never be asking for money because they're asking for money for their salaries. And I, I understand that, but at the same time, uh, I, I do think more often than not, staff and the, the president and CEO of the organization typically know the numbers better than anybody. And so uh, they can articulate it the best. And that's why um, I won't argue with anybody about uh, what's, what's the right way or the wrong way. But I would just say that in, in our instance, my, my senior leadership team and myself are probably best equipped to talk about the finances of the organization far better than anybody on my board of directors. Yeah, I would agree. And I think as you're out making those asks and visiting with the businesses, they see the passion, they see your commitment to building the community. There's no question about what does Dan do for us anyway, right? Like you're out there working it and and building yeah. on those connections and and really seeing Ames, you know, grow and develop and and be that, you know, match the vision that you would see and hope for. Well, you know, as uh, we as we were talking before we started the day, Brandon, um, you know, you you can't you can't fake it in any business, really, right? right. Uh, you either you either are well well set well suited and matched to it, and have a passion and a real a real desire to see, a, in this case, a community get better or your business community get better. It you just can't fake it, and, and if you're faking it, people will know it right away. Right. And so uh, passion is pretty important in any in any job, but certainly in the chamber business. I love that. Um, 
Is there anything else is, in regards to fundraising and, and quality of place projects that we might want to consider going forward? If uh, I'm just picturing the chambers listening that have projects kind of crossing their desk or maybe floating in their mind, uh, what are some of those things to, to consider before moving forward or as you move forward with some of these projects? Well, you know, you could you can talk about raising a lot of money, uh, like for an aquatic center, or you can talk about raising money for a new program inside your chamber. I think you've got to develop a plan uh, and you've got to articulate why it's important, why your community needs it, why your chamber needs it, why your chamber needs a workforce program, or why your chamber should do an inner city leadership visit, whatever it is, why you should add another employee. Um, you have to be able to... Uh, lay out a plan for uh, how that will positively impact the cha- your, your chamber, uh, but also your, your community and your business community and your members. And so I think that that's the key to doing anything related to tr- trying something new is think it through, um, assemble a plan. It doesn't have, doesn't have to be a, a 20 page document. It can be a, I'm, I'm kind of an executive summary kind of person. It can be a one page that says, here's why this is important. And then yeah really understanding what, what, the, what the, the problem is you're trying to solve or the opportunity you're trying to capture and are being able to uh, clearly articulate why that's important, uh, whether it's to your board or to local elected officials or the, the broader community. I think that's the key to doing anything related to fundraising or starting new programs is, is being able to frankly sell it in a manner that uh, uh, shows the, the true value of moving forward. Yeah. I don't know that I necessarily like this uh, this example, but when you think in politics, you know, there's a new piece of legislation that's being discussed or, um, you know, something's being presented there. You know, politicians are really good at getting their talking points in order and their staff talks about it. It's almost word for word. You know, they're just mm-hmm. lockstep and barrel, you know, they, exactly what they're going to say. And I see that being very similar to if you've got a, a program or initiative that you're trying to raise funds for, your whole staff needs to understand this is the why. This is how it's going to enhance our community. Here's the main points about it. So if anyone if anyone gets a question when they're standing in the line at the coffee shop or you know taking their kids to you know soccer practice and somebody asks them about it, boom, they've got the answers, they've got those talking points, you can go right to it. And being able to do it with a passion. So the Pete, the recipient hears that and thinks this really is something of importance, and I need to give some give some attention to this. That's exactly right. Yeah, um, but I think that's uh, you know some great points, a lot of value there for listeners to, especially as they try to level up the quality of place in their own communities and going about fundraising for it. Um, as we start to wrap things up here. I wanted to see if you had any maybe tip or action item for a listener who is looking to take their chamber up to the next level. What might you suggest for them? I would suggest that people lean in, lean in on their volunteers and probably more importantly, lean in on your peers. You know, um, I, I, I still have people that I lean on and say, hey, I'm not sure about how I should do this. And so I've got mentors out there, even for being in this business as long as I've been in it, I've still got peers that are older than me that have been in this business longer than me. And there's value in that. You know, you want to put a smile on someone's face, ask ask for their advice. And uh, 
Uh, when someone, when a, a peer calls me, whether I know them or not, I'll always take that call. And uh, because people have always taken my call. And I think the, um, the chamber business can be a lonely place. You know, uh, there, you don't have three, three counterparts in your community you can go talk to. Uh, you, you need to reach out ac- across, across the, your, the geography to, to, to be supported by others. And so I think that's where I think I've been successful is that I've never been afraid to ask for advice or ask for help. And uh, on the flip side, I've also uh, been, been quick to help others because I truly want people to be successful in this industry because uh, I kind of stumbled into it uh, and it's a, it's a wonderful industry and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. My days are different always. And as we talked earlier that, yes, there are curveballs, but you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're not insurmountable. And I think business leaders, members, uh, local elected officials and, and people like that, they understand the importance of the work that chambers do and that they want you to be successful too. And it's a lot easier for, to, for them to understand uh, what you're doing if you've got an, an open line of communication and you're also, uh, you, you're, you've got a level of humility where you say, we don't really, I don't know about that today, but we're going to figure that out. And you call your peers. Yeah. No, I love that. That's a, a great piece of advice. And we'll we'll give you a chance here in just a moment to share your contact information so people can call and put a smile on Dan's face and kind of learn more about how he's doing things there in Ames. But um, I wanted to ask you, as we look forward to the future of Chambers, how do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? So I, I think that uh, Chambers... Uh, will continue to have to uh, find new new sources of revenue. That's probably the biggest biggest key. We've certainly seen a, a bit of consolidation. Um, we've we've picked up some smaller communities, uh, economic development and chambers uh, here in the last few years, primarily because um, there was a time where one person could do everything. and that's just not that's just not practical now, you know. Yeah. And so I think uh, continuing to look for ways to partner regionally, but also continuing to diversify your revenue streams. And uh, that's going to be an ongoing challenge, like, like in any business. And I think that's what a lot of chambers don't always think about is that they are a business just like your, your local manufacturer, the shoe store down the street or the, the flower shop. We're, this is a business. And so how do we continue to diversify our revenues so that when one one source dries up, this new source takes care of that. And so I think chambers will always have a role because communities need leadership. And chambers are a great place for leaders to be born. Um, you know, I, 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 I think as I've gotten older, I've actually seen uh, my ability to help mentor my board chairs and my board members who more often than not now are either my age or younger and it might be their first out, first uh, entrance into uh, a board leadership role. And so fostering that and in, in, in developing those leaders is really important, not only for your chamber, but for your community. And so whether it's diversifying your revenue or, or building leaders in your community, I think chambers will always have a role, but we have to continue to, to evolve just like our businesses do. I love that. Um... And as you're giving that 
you know, vision of your future of Chambers. We could have talked the whole episode about <laughs> different you know, revenue streams for Chambers and kind of ideas there. We could have talked about mentoring, you know, those future leaders in your community. That's so important. Maybe a little uncomfortable, you know, the first couple of times you do it, but as you catch the vision and see and kind of, you know, help these people progress along their path to being a leader in your community, so important. Um, it, you'd mentioned before there there is a certain loneliness in leadership, but you help bring those along and help them kind of catch that vision. You've got others to talk to, and then maybe they won't be so lonely once they're in your place down the road. Um, I don't know if I cut you off. It, it looked like you you had something to say. Maybe no. Not. Go ahead, please. Okay. Okay. Um, so before I let you go, I wanted to, to give you an opportunity to share any contact information for listeners who may want to reach out and connect and and maybe learn from you as a mentor or just you know learn more about how you guys are doing things there in Ames. What would be the best way for someone to reach out and connect? Uh, you can connect me in a, connect with me in a variety of ways. Um, again, my, my email is Dan at Ameschamber.com, D-A-N at A-M-E-S. C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com. Uh, you can call my office at 515-232-2310 or the best place to reach is my cell phone, 515-290-0447. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all those things. Uh, I'd love to talk to you. Uh, I might learn something. From, there's a good chance I'll learn something from you. And so um, uh, this, this is a great business. Uh, I encourage people to engage. Uh, I've got a lot of young people that work for me, uh, which is awesome. I've had uh, four people leave uh, after a few years of me and run run chambers of their own. And that's really gratifying, too, because I, I think I've helped them see that this is a really good uh, professional career path. And so please give me a call. I'd love to talk. And uh, Brandon, I, I appreciate you and, and you giving me the opportunity to be on your podcast today. Absolutely. It's been a blast and I'm, I'm thrilled to, to have you on the show and, and for all the value that you provided today. So thank you for being with us today, Dan. Thank you. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. 